the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Sally Sherman for AM860, The Answer. And we're on. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. I've got Ken by my side. How you doing, buddy? Very well, doctor. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. I rode my bicycle to the office and back home yesterday. So that was from Gulfport up to... uh, 38th Avenue North. I don't know. It's about four or five miles each way. Not bad for an old old goat like me, huh? <laughs> Not too bad at all. No, I I don't think I've been on a bike since I got my driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wouldn't be issued you bicycle license. <laughs> Put the bike aside and never picked it up again. <laughs> so you got the sports car and, and broom away you went. <laughs> well, actually, it was a Mustang. My first car was a used Mustang, 1972, I think it was. Well, sports car, there you go. Yeah. Well, not a little one. That's a big sports car. No, actually, it was a, a, was only equipped with a four-cylinder engine. It was a was not a fast car. Oh, it was a it was a putt putt Mustang. Yeah. It looked it looked good, <laughs> but it wasn't. It it wasn't fast at all. No. Good try. Yeah. <laughs> all right, man. Well, we got a lot of news going on here today. Oh my gosh. Uh, Exxon Mobil, they announced uh, earlier in the week that they're closing down their their production plant in uh, Russia, and uh, it's the Sakhalin 1 plant, and they're not going to make any new investments in Russia. And I guess a lot of the other oil companies are doing the same thing over the Ukrainian deal. And there's also a big push by the uh, by the oil refineries not to buy Russian oil. So uh, they're going to other countries and other tankers. So you've got a bunch of Russian oil tankers out there that are looking for a market. And uh, of course, this is driving up the price of oil, which is driving up, as you know, the price of gas. I think we're over $4 a gallon now here in Florida for premium. I, I tell you what, it's it's getting uh, it's getting rough. Now, how high do you think it'll go? I don't know, probably 5 or $6 a gallon for premium, I would guess. I would think maybe $7 for premium. I think it is already, I think in California it's already at $7 for premium. We're getting close. Yeah, I know it's over $6 for regular, so it's probably getting close to 7 for premium. I paid three ninety nine nine last was night. Was it regular or premium? It was regular. So we're at $4 for, for regular now, so we're probably at four fifty four seventy five for premium. Yeah. I haven't... Diesel was closing in on on five bucks too. Yeah, and that that really is a big hit on the uh, on the trucking industry and on deliveries, and that pushes up the cost of everything. So we're we're going to have to tighten our belt here. We may not want to go to war, but I think in in some sense we already are at war, you know, economically, and and everybody's pushing. Both both parties are pushing for the president to embargo or block Russian oil and gas from coming into the United States and try to get Europe to do the same thing. And basically, I think it's being done by these companies. They're doing it. They're, they're, they're already shutting down the Russian uh, oil and gas economy. And the Europeans are cutting back on their import of, 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 of natural gas. So 
Well, that had a that had a bad effect back in '41, if you remember, or '19. Yeah, '41. It did. When we uh, cut off the Japanese, they uh, decided they better take us out so they could go take Southeast Asia and get their resources there. But I, I don't know that. Uh, I, I don't know that that's quite the same because the Russians have the resources; they just don't have the ability to get it out of the ground and to sell it. That's their problem. And. Uh, you know, it's it's a horrible thing, but remember, we benefited over two European wars. Uh, the the Napoleonic Wars ended up in Napoleon being depleted in his reserves, his, uh, his treasury was depleted, so he sold us the Louisiana Purchase. And then after the Crimean War, the Russians were depleted in the 1850s and 60s. And so we got the opportunity to buy Alaska from them. They didn't want Britain to have it. And they needed the money, so I mean, it's a, it's kind of a, uh, kind of a, a morbid thought that we be- we benefited from the deaths of so many people at, at war in Europe, but we actually did, Ken. We really did. Alaska yeah. turned out to be a pretty good buy. All that oil, and it's beautiful up there. Took a cruise there once. It's just great. Oh, it's it's gorgeous, and uh, I don't have anything against the Louisiana Purchase either. Not at all. Worked out well. So I don't like those folks. What do you want to buy this time, Doc? <laughs> um, I want the Baja Peninsula. Oh, great. That's a good idea. Let's one long stretch of California. Good beaches so, down there. We're going to have to figure out how to get the Mexicans into this European war and get their coffers depleted so we can buy that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start a rumor that they're, all, they're going to be attacked by the Russians. <laughs> uh, I tell you, I am impressed, though. I am absolutely stunned and impressed by the tenacity of the Ukrainians. They are uh, they are standing up. And now if we will supply them arms and, and weapons, but, you know, the, what they need are jets. And they've got pilots. Apparently their pilots can fly both uh, European and Russian uh, EU, or not EU, but uh, NATO and Russian fighters because they've trained in both mostly in the Russian fighters because they were part of the Soviet Union for all those decades. But uh, we got to get them some planes. And they asked Moldova and a couple other countries around there if they could borrow a few. I don't know what's going on there. Last I heard that was approved, so we'll see what happens. I'm not sure they have any runways left after the way they've been bombed. But, you know, it looks like the Russians are breaking out of Crimea and they're heading north and east. And they're also coming in from uh, the north headed south. Uh, so Moldova is still not quite in the gun sites, but they're getting closer. You know, they're getting closer. So we'll see what's going to happen. And then you heard they set this uh, nuclear plant on fire. Well, they actually didn't set the, the reactors on fire. It was apparently it was a, uh, a training building that a fire broke out in. And, of course, we're calling it a crime against humanity. You got to do a little PR here, dude. <laughs> got to ramp up a little bit. But it was a little building that was a few blocks away from the reactors. Nevertheless, we don't want to see shelling. No, <laughs> no, that's never a good thing, Doc. Yeah, you know, you blow one of those suckers up and you release all that radioactivity into the atmosphere. Well, all you have to do is take out the power and the thing will eventually, we'll, ha- we'll have what happened in, Jap- in Japan about 10 years ago. It'll just melt down. Yeah, if you don't have the... Uh, the coolant, right containment field uh if you don't have your cooling field uh always circulating it's it's water and uh, if you don't have your rods your k 
cadmium or lead or whatever kind of rods you put in to shut down the reactor, you know, they, they have all these rods that are in, in there that are radioactive. And then between that, they have lead or cadmium or some other heavy metal rod that they put in between so that it shuts down the reaction between the, uh, the hot rods. And I'm, I'm not saying that facetiously. Basically, they're, they're rods that are radioactive. And so if those are pulled out and the plants are shut down and the circulation of the water doesn't continue, then they'll overheat and they'll melt right down through the, uh, through the crust of the earth till they hit a water pocket. And then you have a, a thermal explosion. And, of course, that blows a lot of radioactivity into the air. Called the it, China Syndrome was a good movie. Yeah, yeah it, it won't be a nuclear explosion. It'll be uh, a radioactive uh, steam explosion. And it'll blow. Just that's like, essentially what happened in Chernobyl, too, isn't it? I think it is. That's exactly what yeah. happened in Chernobyl. And by the way, Chernobyl's in the Ukraine. Yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he and took he, that first, and they said, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back, buddy. Please. So the, uh, the situation is that the Russians are, are doing what uh, any warring country would do to defeat its enemy. Take out their air force, take out their communications, grab their power sources and control that, and starve them out. And uh, with winter coming, or I guess winter is there, I guess it's got to be cold in the Ukraine oh, now. Oh, sure, yeah. What the temperature is. And, and they've still got a few months of, of winter left. You know, people are not going to be uh, very happy when they don't have any heat. And I think about two-thirds of their electricity is supplied by their nuclear reactors. So it's a big part of their, or at least uh, 60%, and that's a big part of their energy is nuclear. That's, that's pretty impressive. Well, that's probably why they took this one, because they wanted to shut down the nuclear yep. reactors, cut down the power. Yep, cut the power off, and that way you can, you can make people suffer even more. If you don't have electricity, you don't have lights, you don't have furnaces, you don't have uh, hot water, you don't have all the accoutrements that we think of, and, and uh, you, know, you, you can't run it a country or an economy without electricity. As I've said over and over again, electrons are what make our world go around. So so where are we going? A siege? Is it going to now be a siege and see how long they can last? I, You know, I don't know. I'm surprised we haven't had, uh, like, an American expeditionary force formed by ex-military uh, guys and go over there and, and, and volunteer to fight with the ukrainians and maybe they are and we they are in fact i read last night three thousand of them have already gone good they actually go to i guess they are uh, the procedure is to go to the ukrainian embassy in whatever town that's in probably washington and all the major cities would have one and you get the proper paperwork and you're in you're in baby and uh this would not be the first time american uh, americans have volunteered to fight uh, as not as American soldiers, but as citizens. You remember in the Spanish uh, Civil War, Americans went over and fought with the communists. And we've had that happen in a number of other wars, too. World War II, essentially, we had a lot of guys fighting with the British. Yeah, initially, a lot of people went and fought with the British. And uh, also in the Israeli uh, freedom fight and their, their revolution and their fight against the Arabs back in the what late eight, 1940s. Early 50s, Americans went over and fought with them, non-Jewish Americans as well as Jewish Americans. Some stayed. Well, I'm, and, what, one of the things I'm glad to see, going back to the price of oil and all that, 
I've been seeing a lot of TV interviews with people at gas stations past couple days. You know, what do you think of the price of gas? Are you willing to pay this? And I'm I'm not sure if it's the editing the way they're doing it because it, it could, you know it depends who you choose to put on the air. But what they're putting on the air is the people saying, "Yeah, I'm 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 willing to pay a higher gas price for the Ukrainians to do be able to do what they got to do to win." I think that's a nice attitude for Americans to take. I'm not sure how long it'll last. Yeah, and I I feel that way. I mean, it's it's going to hurt my employees more than me because they're living check to check. I mean, we we have a cushion. But uh, and the other thing is I can ride my bicycle to cut down on gas consumption. I think we're going to see maybe slower speed. There might be some good spots because might get some good outcome because of this. Maybe the speeds on the expressway will slow down a little bit. <laughs> Conserve well, a little gas. Hey, wait a minute. That means fewer accidents. That's right. Exactly. That's less business for me, dude. Oh, sorry, Doc. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but maybe just bring it back to, you know, 80 instead of 90. All right, that's fine. We'll do that. I'm I'm with you there. Well, I think the other thing too is this is going to push the uh, the uh, non carbon fuel motors into the forefront faster. And and I see where Exxon is also ramping up a hydrogen plant somewhere in Texas and carbon recapture. And these are all good things. So you never know. Some good may come out of all of this. I hope. Not for well, the Ukrainians, I'm afraid, though. No, they're 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 going to be hurting. But the, so, in the, the end, does this turn into a guerrilla war? In the end, you think, with the uh, Ukrainians in the mountains and uh, the Russians controlling all the cities? Could be. I mean, that's what happened in Afghanistan, and and now the pundits are saying, well, the same thing could happen in Taiwan if China invades, because Taiwan is basically a big mountain. It's a, a volcanic mountain, I would guess. Yeah, it's in that ring of fire. And so the Taiwanese, most of them don't think of themselves as Chinese. They don't, you know, 85%, they say, we're Taiwanese, we're not Chinese. <laughs> and they have a different dialect and uh, different culture, different form of government. They'll go up in the hills and they'll fight a guerrilla warfare. So will the Filipinos. They'll do that too. So you'll you'll see a lot of that if, if these two countries decide to, I mean, I would hope that the Chinese would not be stupid enough to invade Taiwan, and they may be looking at the Ukraine and saying, hmm, Ukraine's, you know, less developed than than uh, Taiwan, and they don't have the armaments of Taiwan, and they're holding out against the Russians, who have one of the largest armies in, in the world. Hmm, I wonder if the Taiwanese could do the same to us, and that would become a very unpopular war in China. You know, the Chinese do not, the, the common folk, they do not want to see their country at war. They don't want it. And I can tell you from talking with some of the women salesmen over there, uh, when I purchased things over the past couple of years, they can, they do not, they, they see themselves as peacemakers. They don't want to hurt anybody. They want to save the whole world. Well, you're not going to save the whole world by invading Taiwan. That's for sure. I don't, I don't think they're going to do that anytime soon after what they're watching now in Ukraine. I really don't. I don't think so either. I think after watching what the Ukrainians are doing and the fight they're putting up, they're going to think twice about going into a, a highly developed country like Taiwan. And we need to go ahead and recognize Taiwan as an independent nation. This is a nonsense to, uh, I mean, the, the days of, of, of helping China get on its feet are over. They're over. It's time to 
get back to normalizing our full relationships with Taiwan as an independent country and shoring up our, our mutual uh, pacts with them. I don't think that we have uh, any agreement to fight for them, but we certainly have agreements to sell them and help them arm themselves, sell them arms. So could be good for our arms sales, too. Let me ask you this. Are you, are you surprised by the ineptitude of the Russian army? Oh, no. They, they, they've been an inept army for <laughs> forever. They've had trouble winning wars uh, off and on for a thousand years. They've, but, you know, the wars they have won have been against sparsely populated countries like Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan. And, you know, they took all that land. And, and of course, nobody wanted Siberia. It was inhabited by some uh, Eskimos, and, and they just blew right through there all the way over to Vladivostok and, and came over and, and uh, claimed Alaska. But, you know, they're, they're, not, a, they're not a great fighting army. Uh, they do it with numbers. They just throw men and more men and more men. And they got a big population, and they've gotten a lot of natural resources. But as far as planning, I mean, look what Stalin did before World War II. You know, he <laughs> killed his, all his generals. <laughs> killed all his senior officers. <laughs> I mean, and then all of a sudden, Hitler's at the door. <laughs> and nobody's in charge. And nobody, yeah, they got nobody. They got Khrushchev, and he didn't know how to fight. All he knew how to do was yell and scream and kill people. <laughs> yeah. Well, this could be another Stalingrad. I mean, this could be Stalingrad in reverse for the Russians. It could be, and you never know. I mean, uh, somebody might get upset in the neighborhood there, and there's other countries there, Poland, Moldova, and and the Baltics, and they may say, enough is enough. We're going in. And if they go in, well, guess what? We're going in. Probably <laughs> at that point, yeah, we will be, yeah. They're it's, part of NATO, so. Yeah. These things have a way of escalating. Well, from what I understand, from what I've been reading, and we don't really know because nobody's in Putin's head, of course, but this was there was supposed to be a blitzkrieg a la Nazi Germany in the uh, 30s where they just send everything at you all at once and you're just stunned. But that didn't work. They got bogged down long before they got to the, to the point where they could send in their their guys on the ground. And now they're stuck. Well, you, you heard God. They ran out of gas at one point and... And uh, they asked some old woman if she had any gas, and she said, yeah, I'll sell you gas as long as you turn around and drive back to Russia. <laughs> I heard one guy offered a tank, a tow. He was in a tow truck, and they offered a tank a tow all the way back to Russia if he wants it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And, uh, you know, the humor, uh, it, it, I mean, as sad as it is, the humor is, is priceless. And, so you know, on, on top of the... Uh, the problem with uh, with shutting down their their oil and gas industry and driving up the price of, of oil and gas around the world is is our own domestic inability to process. With the pandemic, we shut down, and then when Biden came in to to make it look like he was kowtowing to his base, he turned off this spigot and that and this pipeline and that. I'm not sure that we could have processed all that oil anyway, but now we need to ramp up. And Congress needs to, you know, even the left-wing loonies in, in the House, they need to, and I think they're starting to get to that point, they need to realize that we have to, we have to ramp up our production of uh, hydrocarbon fuels and, and get this economy uh, independent of any outside supply of oil or gas anywhere. I mean, we need to be energy independent. We were for a few years there. We got to get all those frackers fracking again. 
Frick and Frack. Both of them. Get them both out there. Sure. Out there. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why the uh, gas prices are going up at, you know, what are we, at $115, one, $115, $120 a barrel for yeah, oil? Somewhere in there, yeah. I mean, that is uh, for, probably uh, inflation uh, rated. It's not the highest that oil and has been per barrel, but we're getting there. We're getting there. I heard predictions of 185. Are you serious? I am serious. 185 by the end of the year. Oh, my gosh. If things keep going the way they're going. Oh got to get more supply in the market. Got to get – Saudis have got to step up, man. They really do. Well, you know, they're they're probably looking at uh, Iran and looking at the Russians and trying to figure out, hmm, what are we going to do at this point? Because the Russians are turning to the Iranians, and I don't know how well that's going to work out. Well, and, if they give you – if they give uh, – if uh, we strike a deal with Iran – Rand's going to start pumping away. Yeah, I mean, if we strike a deal with them, that uh, will they sell to us or the Chinese? I guess they'll sell wherever the market is. As long as there are no uh, uh, sanctions on them anymore, which would be part of the deal, I would imagine, then they will sell to anybody, including us. We could probably buy a couple of nuclear weapons from them, too. <laughs> now, I think they're going to hold on to all those. I think they'll hold those. They're going to bury them somewhere deep in a cave. Want, they want to get the Israelis out. Yeah, I don't know what they have against the Israelis. You know, I, mean, I, I don't get it. I don't. Yeah, I don't get it either. Maybe they've been they've been beating up on them for two thousand years. I don't understand that whole area. It just it boggles the mind. It's all it, tribal, though. So it's so. yeah, it's it's just ridiculous. I don't know. So uh, meanwhile, back at the ranch in the first days of December twenty twenty, a year ago, year and a few months ago. Bill Barr went to talk to the president, Mr. Trump, and Trump was upset with him. And Bill Barr has a piece in the uh, Wall Street Journal about this and uh, confronted Trump about the fraud allegations over the election. And Trump was angry with him and pounding on the table, <coughs> excuse me, and saying, why haven't you been investigating this? Why aren't you taking action? And, and Barr said, we are investigating it and we can't find any uh fraud and, and any of these uh, allegations by your people. And uh, they got into a big tiff, and that's when Trump said, well, you know, Barr said, well, if you want me to resign, I'll resign. And Trump said, yeah, you're fired. And then Barb stormed out, and Trump backed down and sent his guys out to uh, try and cool things down. And Barr said, no, I'm not coming back in to talk tonight. It's too heated. And uh, and that's when he resigned, but basically he said that all the allegations that Trump wanted him to investigate uh, turned out to be uh, foundless. And that doesn't mean that there were not incidences of fraud uh, in the election, in the 2020 election, but uh, Barr's people couldn't find it. And Barr's comment was that Trump had a bunch of amateur, inept lawyers and looking into all of this and because nobody wanted to work with Trump at that point. You know, that was the problem. Now, I can understand Trump being upset. You know, the guy went through a, quite a lot. I mean, he was really beat up on badly and unfairly, and like the Russian uh, hoax. You know, that, that really was just nothing but BS that the left made up, uh, Hillary Clinton and her people, in order to try to beat up on Trump and keep him from winning the election. Yeah, it's just, seem- it was just dirty politics. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah and it didn't work. Uh, but... Uh, 
you can understand how the man would be upset. Sure. And I'm sure right after he lost the election, things were really volatile in the White House. And he's not the first president to have uh, have uh, lost his cool in the White House. I mean, that happens. They're human beings. They're not they're not gods. They're, they put their pants on one leg at a time. Well, I put mine on two legs at a time, but most people put them on one leg at a time. The pressure of that job must be unbelievable. Yeah, the problem with putting your pants on two legs at a time is you yeah. have both legs and one down one side, and then you have to hop around. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Try one leg in each sleeve. What? <laughs> oh my God. That might work out a little better for you there, Doc. I'll try that tomorrow. <laughs> so is the Pentagon looking at this and seeing the Russian uh, performance and just saying, ah, oh, these guys, we can take them in a minute? Well, I think we knew that a long time ago. But uh, our, our PO, our, our, uh, I mean, our operating uh, mechanism is to underrate ourselves and say, oh, they're a great army. They might be able to take us. And you do that for a couple things, a couple of reasons. You One is to get your enemy off guard, let them think it's going to be an easy, uh, easy stroll down the lane. And the other is to uh, get people to agree to increase the military budget. You know, we're not strong enough. They might be able to defeat us. And that goes back to the beginning of humans getting armed. You know, that's what uh, the Athenians did before the the big invasion by the Persians 2,000, 2,500 years ago. As they said, there was an island off of Athens, and they were going to be attacked, the Athenians, and the, uh, their leader, uh, Thermistenes, he got them all stirred up, and so they built this huge navy. And he knew that, that this little island state couldn't take them, but uh, <laughs> he also knew the Persians were coming. He had advanced intel, and people wouldn't have believed him that the Persians, they're, you know, they're 500, 1,000 miles away from here. How are they going to get us? Plus, they have to come across the, uh, the Bosphorus and the Dardanelles and all that. Well, you know what the Persians did? They built a pontoon across the Straits of Dardanelles. They built a pontoon bridge and moved 250,000 men and supplies and uh, horses and whatever else they had with them. I mean, you know, you got an army, you got to feed it, you got to water it, you got to have animals or vehicles and uh, chariots and all that and armament. Got to have your medical team, you got to have your blacksmiths to repair the weapons and manufacture the arrows and all that. Big deal. They just built a pontoon bridge. That's 2,500 years ago. Can you believe that? That's impressive. But the, you know what? If you got enough guys and enough will, you can do just about anything. You can. And the Ukrainians may very well be able to hold out for years. Yeah, exactly. The Russians so, may get tired, and Putin may be taken down by all of this, too. You never know. Yeah, their logistics really let them down, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't think they were. They were. They didn't think this through fully. No. Uh, and I didn't. I don't think they realized that even though they see Ukraine as part of them, that that's not the way the Ukrainians in the world see it. But what are you going to do? Well, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to news, find out if there's anything new. Let's do it, baby. I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. 
Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is in Moldova pledging America's support to the small western-leaning former Soviet Republic that is coping with an influx of refugees from Ukraine and warily watching Russia's intensifying war with its neighbor. Blinken was meeting today with senior Moldovan officials appealing for international assistance in dealing with more than 120,000 refugees from Ukraine. Chinese media are reporting 14 workers trapped when a coal mine in the southwest collapsed 10 days ago have died. A rescue operation finished today after the bodies of the miners were retrieved. China's coal mines amongst the world's deadliest. And at least 22 people have been injured, including two critically, when fans brawled yesterday at a soccer game in central Mexico, the match between the host Caratero and Atlas from Guadalajara. This is SRN News. Ask Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an in-office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket costs a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. According to the World Gold Council, while demand for gold is surging, 72% of people reply they lack the necessary know-how to do so. Hi, my name's Adam Barada, owner of Advantage Gold, hands down the highest rated gold dealer in the country. The reason? We lead with education. We've taught millions of investors how to buy gold safely and securely, and our in-depth gold guide explains everything you need to know. From what type of metals to consider, if an IRA or cash transaction is best, and how you can be certain that the gold you're buying is authentic, certified, and real. Call 800-900-8000 now and get our number one rated first-time gold buyer's kit. Call 800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Get the information you need to secure your future. Call 800-900-8000. Call 800-900-8000. 
800-900-8000 today. Every three minutes, another person falls further into credit card debt. Many credit card companies have nearly doubled their minimum monthly payment. People can barely afford to keep up. Here's the great news. With our powerful program, anyone with $2,000 or more in credit card debt can cut their credit card payments up to half and reduce or eliminate interest charges altogether. We are a nationwide nonprofit and have helped over 600,000 people with their credit cards. Get free of credit card debt today. Call 800-495-1307. That's 800-495-1307. AM 860, The Answer. Online at com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Mostly sunny today, the high 89, breaking the record high for the date of 86, set in 1983. Clear tonight, low 68. Tomorrow, plenty of sunshine. Monday's high of 87 breaks the record high for tomorrow's date of 86, reached in 1995. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Sally Sherman for AM860, The Answer. And we're back. I'm Dr. Bill. Got Ken with me. How you doing, Ken? Excellent, sir. I'm having a good day so far. Uh, Don't forget about the, uh, the famous mug giveaway. That's I'm just about to do that. Just now, picked up that piece of paper because we have two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD mugs, for the first person who can answer this question. Now, the question always deals with the topic we talked about at the beginning of the show. So here we go. Today's question. What, how, let me push it. How did Doc get to and from work yesterday? How did Doc get to and from work yesterday? If you know the answer, first person with the correct answer wins two Dr. Bill, your Radio MD coffee mugs, Number to call one eight seven seven nine six nine eighty six hundred. That's eight seven seven nine six nine eight six zero zero. First caller with the correct answer wins the two coffee mugs. How did Doc get to and from work yesterday? Now don't give away the answer, Doc. I'm I'm trying not to Uber Uber. <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, give us a call if you know. <laughs> if somebody calls in and says Uber. <laughs> We'll have to give them a mug just because they're listening. <laughs> well, the phones have lit up, so people know the answer to this one. All right. So uh, you you think stock markets are forever? I mean, we think that in the United States because we've had, what, uh, 150 years of basically uninterrupted rise. I mean, we've had falls, but if you look at the chart, it's just continued to go up and up and up, keep up with inflation or a little bit better. But, you know, there are stock markets that go down are shut down, and they never come back. And the Russian stock market is shutting down. They're really uh, struggling, and the, uh, the, the funds that trade in Russian stocks that you can purchase in your IRA or your, your uh, retirement plan or whatever, uh, they're also going away. I mean, they're down to zero, these uh, exchange-traded funds. Is that what you call them, exchange-traded funds? I think that's the word. You know, invest, you know better than me on that one. They invest in Russian stocks, and the share prices have collapsed. I mean, these are down to zero, zero. You know, from twenty, thirty dollars, forty dollars a share in the past few weeks, they've gone to nothing. Wow. Now, not a big part of our uh, of our investments as as a country. You know, it's like 05 percent or something like that. It's very, very small, but. It's it's a good reminder that nothing is certain, nothing is for sure. And, you, you know, you think about it, and there are countries that have shut down their stock markets, and they didn't open back up for years. Uh, you, you, you got uh, 
Argentina and Spain and other big countries around the world that have, uh, for whatever reasons, because of, of war or because of internal upheaval, Chile, Egypt, Germany. I mean, the German stock market collapsed and was gone for, what, a decade after World War One. And I'm sure Japan as well. Yeah. So and, uh, you know, all these countries, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees. And I think this is another reason that we have to be very vigilant. And we also have to remember to diversify. Don't put all your eggs in one basket and don't think that this asset is safer than that asset because you just never know. I mean, you know that some are safer than others, but you got to you got to spread your cash around a little bit so you don't end up in in a in a pinch there with having and I know I've done that because I like real estate and I've bought real estate and it's crashed and that's why I'm still working Ken. <laughs> hey, it's all coming back though. <laughs> now, really gold, gold, I guess uh, if you bought gold maybe 6 7 years ago, you are just killing it right now. It's like $1900 an ounce. Yeah, but if you look at the long haul gold, it doesn't do as well as the stock market. It just keeps up about with inflation, if that, over the long haul. But short-term trading, if you know what you're doing, I don't know what I'm doing with gold. So you you can't you can't practice medicine and practice stock brokering too. You got to have some help. It's just too much. Well, at least, that, yeah, I imagine <laughs> you're a little busy on the medicine side. Yeah, uh, for at least for my brain, it's too much. <laughs> So uh, Biden's pulling out the China card to persuade India to uh, renounce Russia. You know, the Russians and the, and the Indians have been close because uh, Jawaharlal Nehru, the first prime minister, he was a socialist, and uh, Russia was friendly to India when they broke away from, from Great Britain, because guess what? The, the Russians didn't like the British. <laughs> They've been at odds with them off and on for centuries, and so they have teamed up, and and then we kind of got the Indians upset when they were fighting Pakistan because we sent our fleet in in case the Pakistanis needed our help. And the Russians sent their fleet in in case the Indians needed help. Probably didn't know that, did you? I did not know that, no. So at any rate, we've got this quad group that's been formed. I think it's Australia and Japan and India and the United States to try to uh, figure out a way to deal with the Southeast Asian and the Chinese issue. And so now uh, the government of Biden is putting pressure, and Biden himself is putting pressure on India to denounce and renounce Russia over this uh, invasion of the Ukraine. So far, the Indians have not done that. They're staying silent. Uh, and um, I, I don't know what their eventual response is going to be. Hopefully they will kind of switch over to our side, but you got to remember, a lot of people in India still have a memory of the United States being with them, being against them in the uh, Pakistani-Indian War. And then again, when uh, East Pakistan broke away and became Bangladesh, most people don't remember that. But uh, Pakistan w was divided by India. There was the big Pakistan on the west, and then on the east there was that little strip right on the Indian Ocean, I think, or the Bay of Bengal, I forget what body of water that is. any rate, and the East Pakistanis were being mistreated by the West Pakistanis, and they wanted to break away, so India helped them do that. And uh, in that war, too, the United States took the side of Pakistan. 
And, you know, we, we were kind of in a, in a pinch there because we knew that India and Russia were allies. And so we had to have some way to counter that. So we teamed up with Pakistan. You know, you, you, we made a deal with the devil, basically. And I, I, I don't know if it's really been that helpful, but apparently uh, our military and, and diplomatic leaders feel that it has, has and has been able to keep the Russians at bay in that part of the world. Certainly didn't stop him from going into Afghanistan, but that didn't work out very well for him either, did it? Not really, no. Never, it doesn't work out well for anybody. No, it, it did not. And uh, so we're pressuring India. We'll see what will happen there. I doubt the Indians are going to turn on their friend. And the guys at the lunch table, you know, when they were growing up, kids, you know, they'd get magazines from, from Pravda uh, talking about the Russian lifestyle and the you know, all the beautiful Russian girls and all the fancy cars and everything. Of course, in India at that time in the 60s and 70s, they didn't have anything anyway. So something looked better than nothing. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Yeah, so they were all enamored with the Russians at that point. And, uh, well, and China, that, China, I guess, is staying neutral in this thing. So far. So far, yeah. So far. We'll see what happens. I mean, so far there's no reason for them to stick their neck out here because they're not threatened and their interest in that area I don't think are threatened. I don't think they had that much trade with the Ukraine. Uh, but the the fear now in China is if we can shut down the Russian economy that easily, and I mean you gotta admit this is this this so far has not been very difficult. And we're not even cranked up all the way yet. And like you said, we can tolerate a few extra uh, coins here and there for our gasoline, or we can all start riding bicycles or whatever. But uh, if we can shut down the Russian economy that easily, and we're so intertwined with the Chinese economy, you better think twice, China, because we can shut you down too. And if you think we can't, uh, just take a look. And we downplay our, our power, you know, oh, the Chinese are going to overtake us, and we, we're too dependent on them and all that. How hard do you think it would be to ramp up to start producing our own penicillin pills and our own uh, pharmaceuticals? I mean, these are generics, and we've got tons of chemical companies and supplies. We can do this. Come on, this isn't that big of a deal. Do you think that this is the end of that Clinton area, that Clinton era uh, philosophy of everybody build a plant in everybody else's country, and war will be eliminated? That was Canada theory. We're all tied together. We're all tied together so deeply economically that we would never have a war again. Yeah, right. Is that is this the end of that? I mean, our, our company is going to start coming home, or at least back to the Western Hemisphere. Well, I I sure hope so. I mean, the, the companies that are doing business in Russia, American companies, they're all pulling out. They're pulling out, baby. Yeah. Now, and that's not a huge part of our economy, but you know, it's it's uh, it's significant in that it's going to collapse the 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 Russian economy and and. Those people are going to be hurting for certain in a few months. They already are. There's no money. The banks are having a run. There's a massive inflation. The ruble has fallen. Their stock market is in the tank. Um, their Visa, oligarch Visa and MasterCard turned off the credit cards yesterday. Yep. <clears throat> credit cards are shut off. SWIFT is shut off for most of their big banks. Um, and most of our big banks are refusing to do business with them, even in the old fashion way with faxes and telephones and freezing their assets. And, uh, and this is not good. I mean, this is not good for, for these folks. They're, they weren't thinking. They weren't thinking. 
And now Russia blocked access to Facebook and Twitter. Did you know that? Yeah, I heard he did that. Yeah. And uh, if any, and, and they also passed a law quickly that uh, any false news about the war, and you can end up in jail for 15 years. And of course, they decide what's true. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's you're pretty much set up there, right? So fake news uh, about the war in Russia is not allowed, even if it's real, real news. You know, real fake news. Well, here's something real, Doc. Real as it can get. We got a winner. We got a winner. Yahoo! And you can probably ride your bike to this one. Roberto Romley. Roberto Romley of St. Pete is our winner. Way to go, Roberto. Two, Dr. Bill, your Radio MD mugs coming your way, Roberto. All because you knew the correct answer to today's question, which was how did Doc get to work? And home yesterday, and Doc, the correct answer is... I rode my bicycle. He rode his bicycle, that's right. And not a, not one of those electric motorized ones, the ones that you got to pump with your legs. Was it a 10-speed with a banana seat? <clears throat> no, I have the spongy wonder seat, which are two pads separated so that it spares your perineum and your prostate, and uh, uh, it's, it's really a nice way to ride because, you know, a lot of the professional bike riders, uh, the racers like Lance Armstrong, they're impotent because their perineal nerves are crushed. So, uh, and it, as you get older and the prostate enlarges, it also helps that. And the women too. I mean, you know, it's easier on their genitalia as well. So my wife and I both have these spongy wonder seats and I've got a, a mountain bike that has front and rear suspension because of my neck injury. Uh, I need some, some extra, uh, springiness so I don't hurt myself as I ride up and down our, our cobblestone streets here in St. Petersburg and, and Gulfport area. And uh, I had it tricked out, so I've got high risers on it so I can sit up straight, and I've got an air horn, and I've got a little place to put my phone that snaps in there. And it, it's a pretty cool-looking bike. People are impressed. It looks like it's, you know, like a $2,500 bike, but I think I paid less than 700 for it several years ago, all tricked out. Got a so nice it's, light it's a, on it, nice big bright light. Oh, I got two big lights. It looks like a motorcycle coming down the street. <laughs> and I actually have run into people when I'm mad at them. They're in a car and I'm on a bike. And I get mad at them because they're not moving, so I'll run into them. It's probably not the smartest thing to do. No, <laughs> I wouldn't. No, wait, you well, know, I, are they bro, moving at the time or just I, you? I don't think that's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fact, Jack. I, I have... Uh, have gotten a little upset at times and done a, a few stupid things like that. There's a little road rage in the dock here. A little bit. You know, when I get behind the wheel of the car or the bike or whatever, I'm like, get off the road, people. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get moving here. I got I got to get to the hospital. I got to get home. I got to get to the beer. <laughs> I think the older you get, the faster you drive because you don't have that much time to waste. That's right. And the more people you run over because you figure, what the hell is the difference? I'm not going to be around long enough to go to prison anyway. Oh, they come to your office for treatment. One of the two, you win. There you go. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> you get it coming and going. You get business <laughs> both ways. So did you see where uh, Zokar Zarnoff uh, went to the Supreme Court? You know, the, the uh, bomber, uh, the uh, Boston Marathon. Oh, the Boston Marathon. Yeah, I saw that. The little brother, yeah. He, he, he appealed his uh, death sentence saying that, <clears throat> excuse me, that he uh, he was under the influence of his big brother and that that wasn't fair to pick on him because he was just a little brother. And the Supreme Court said, nah, we think that you probably were competent to do it. And they didn't say that, but what they said is, 
uh, Breyer, I think, wrote the dissenting view, and he said that, in his view, the Court of Appeals acted lawfully in holding that the district court should have allowed the man to introduce this evidence and uh, that he was unduly influenced by his brother. And I think uh, Clarence Thomas said, you know, you did the deed, dude, and uh, the lower court erred, and so we're reinstating the death penalty for you. So, Yeah, at what point do you think, did you think, young man, that blowing up a bunch of runners was a good idea? Yeah, and let's face it. If you don't know the difference between right and wrong by the time you're a teenager, or you do know it and you ignore it, then you're, you're going to be culpable in, in some way or another, either criminally or psychiatrically or both. But uh, it still doesn't uh, mitigate the damage that you've done to your fellow human being in society. And I, I think that a couple of people he killed them were, were, I don't even think they were Americans. I think they were from other countries just running it. But I don't know. I mean, and that, there were dozens of people that were injured, some long term. So uh, this is pretty heinous. And we need to, I mean, it's a hate crime, basically. Yeah, it's terrorism. It's terrorism. It's yeah. a hate crime. And, uh, if you hate humanity that much, you don't deserve to be amongst us. Now, whether you lock them up forever or kill them, it doesn't really matter to me. I think that the death sentence actually has uh, is, is been shown to be more cost-effective. It costs about a third of what it costs to keep somebody alive for their lifetime in prison. <clears throat> and I'm sure that'll go up with inflation as well. But, uh, you know, the guy did the deed, so... You do the deed, you got to do the uh, do the time. You do the crime, you do the time, and the time here is death, right? Absolutely, and I, I agree with the Supreme Court 100% on that one. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm not somebody who just wants to go out and punish people by putting them to death. I don't think that, uh, I, I don't think that the death sentence is really a, a great deterrent. I don't think that most people who commit uh, such heinous crimes actually stop and think about Am I going to get the death sentence? I just don't think they have that uh, that train of thought when they're plotting and planning these things and or when they go out and, and shoot somebody uh, on purpose because they're mad at him or because she was running around with him or he was running around with her or whatever the reasons are. A lot of gang executions take place because they're should, ordered to do it. And then you have serial killers and mass murders, rage murders. These people don't stop and think, mm, I may get caught and, and, and get get executed. They don't think that. No. So I don't know how much of a deterrent it is, but I do think it actually uh, pr uh, protects society. It's a way of taking a cancer off, off the back of society, and that's what we have to do when we're locking people up. I think this idea that we can reform or deter or any of that is just basically nonsense. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again, you're going to have to get these kids and when they're infants, when they're toddlers, when they first come to pre-K and uh, screen them and see what's going on in their homes and get in there and change it. But that ain't going to happen. Not in my lifetime. That'll require a big push for uh, more social workers and more uh, intervention, which will mean uh, uh, questionable infringement on personal rights and parental rights and all that. And, uh, you know, it's 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 a big legal morass once you start doing that. But I think that's the only way we're going to be able to actually handle this. Doc, we got about uh, about four minutes, actually. On the dot, we got about four minutes left. Anything on the virus we need to know about? Is there anything new we should be looking for? I was just wondering quickly, if uh, since we've uh, eliminated pretty much all the mask mandates now, even on cruises, you can take your 
your mask off and things like that. Have we seen any uptick at all? I have not seen it. Uh, maybe one or two extra cases at the hospital and a couple in the office, but they weren't very sick. It was obviously the Omicron. Uh, and we also had uh, this Indian-made vaccine that was a, a whole virus inactivated, sort of like a killed virus that uh, they applied to the FDA to use it in, in children, and the FDA said no. And we know that the inactivated uh, viral vaccines are not that effective. They're nowhere close to what the messenger RNA vaccines are. By the way, I was looking, and you know how many vaccines there are approved out there now? Um, I only know about three or four. There's about 97. <laughs> Get out of here. 97 worldwide that have been approved. And there's probably another several hundred in the, in the, uh, in the works that are being made. And almost all of these come back to uh, stimulating our immune system to make antibodies to some part of the spike protein. We're still at that stage. So, because we, we can't break into the virus and eat up the uh, genetic material inside the capsule yet. So, the, we're still going after that spike protein. So, all these virals, antiviral vaccines are targeting the spike protein. And still, the most effective seems to be the messenger RNA vaccine. So, I'm sticking with those, <clears throat> and we'll see what happens. If something better comes out, I'll certainly be willing to take another, take a fifth shot. We got about two minutes left. Do you want to talk about the office a little bit and get a phone number out there? And if you do, because you still need tests and things like that to get on planes and to get on cruise boats, you got to be vaccinated, things like that. So that's still out there. You can't forget about it. So if they need a, a quick little booster, who should they call, doctor? Call the ghost, no, call doctor. <laughs> And uh, Dr. Bill's got the, uh, the COVID vaccine, and we can uh, we can give you a shot right there in the office. And I've, I've had some of my older patients say, when should we get a fourth shot? And I say four to six months after your last one. And they said, well, the CDC hadn't actually approved that yet. I said, they usually follow me by about two or three months. So they'll get around to it sometime in late spring, early summer. But I recommend that if you're at risk that you get a fourth booster sometime this spring and early summer. And we're at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. We also have the rapid COVID test and we have the PCR test. Uh, I think the rapid's 99 bucks and the PCR is like 149, which is a little cheaper than anywhere else in our neighborhood, although I'm sure the prices will come down. Now, I had some um, people come in and tell me they didn't know we were doing them. They went down to one of the... Uh, um, Bayfront clinics, and I think it was 169, and they somebody else went somewhere else, and it was 200 dollars. So we're still a little cheaper, and we can get it done in 30 minutes, and that's the PCR. So that'll get you into a lot of countries that are requiring that. Now, unfortunately, Canada dropped that requirement, so they really hurt our business, and we're more on on Ottawa. We got about 30 seconds. Give them that phone number a couple more times so they know who to call. 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. And we also have telemedicine, Ken, as you know. I do. I enjoy that. Because you do that. I do. And, and we're doing really great with that. So keep it up. Keep coming. We love you guys. We appreciate you. And Roberto will get you your mug out. Was Roberto male or female? I'm not sure. Say goodbye, Doc. Goodbye, Doc. I'm out of here. Insight, information, provocation.
and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Clinic. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.